Hello all and welcome to our Annex One Review Podcast, where I'm joined by Life Sciences Senior GMP Scientist, Mark Hallworth. We will be previewing the highly anticipated and finally released Annex One revisions, as well as a teasing to next month's webinar, where we will cover commonly asked questions, as well as offering compliant solutions to environmental monitoring. Mark, tell us about your background and expertise in environmental monitoring. Yeah, thanks. Morning, Leah. Um, I think the Grey Temples kind of uh, give some of that away. I've been uh, working for particle measuring systems for nigh on 26 years and in that time have been involved in installing FMS systems, designing, monitoring solutions, writing on the subject. Uh, I've been involved in the development of uh, novel techniques for monitoring different environments. So uh, I think Having been exposed to so much of it, um, also my background is in particle uh, particle transportation, so that um, that comes in handy when looking at some of the new topics that are involved in changes to the EU GMP. So it's uh, I've been in industry, specifically environmental monitoring applications for over 25 years, and um, and that. Um, that's what gives me a lot of insights into what people have done and how best to overcome certain applications. All right, so you're definitely qualified to answer why all the interest in the EU GMP Annex 1. Our, our whole industry is governed by regulations and so Annex 1 tends to be the, the pointy end of the wedge. It's on Annex 1 is the one that WHO looks at and builds its GMP. It's good manufacturing practices around. It's also the center point for the pharmaceutical inspection cooperation scheme. So when Annex 1 changes, everything changes. And that just uh, that creates this ripple such that it's a it's not just a European change it's global and and so when those changes do occur people tend to sit up and take notice as to what the impact might be and this this release has got um, has got quite a lot of changes in it you know that's uh, one of the reasons it's taken such a long time to come out and it was uh, this new version was released only last week so i think it was the 24th or 25th of august it was released or notifications of its release were being announced. Okay, so it's got a big impact on environmental monitoring. Um, was this different timing than was originally expected? Yeah, yeah this, uh, that's kind of one of the, you know, um, challenges in trying to change regulation. It's trying to, you know, it's making sure that it's complete. And as it was nearing completion, we all thought it was going to come out, you know, five years ago. But as it was nearing completion and those earlier reviews and drafts were being circulated, some people had concerns about certain aspects of it. Other people felt that their section was fine. And so it was being channeled forward at a, at a regular pace. And then COVID happened. And as we know, you know, COVID kind of had a huge impact globally on being able to sit down and formulate documentation, sit down and formulate plans. And when you're trying to sit down together and formulate a regulation with all of this input that has a global implication, 
it was uh, it was just very difficult for all of the required bodies to meet and finally agree on the right path forward. So, you know, there was there was a, a couple of academic issues with how it should be put together. But then, of course, there was, you know, social distancing and and the pandemic kind of really slowed progress down, as well as the EMA offices. You know, Brexit didn't help because the EMA offices relocated from London to Europe, to Amsterdam. And in that transition, again, meetings couldn't be organized. So it was um, it was a, a, the perfect storm of, of everything conspiring to make this thing just drag out. A little bit longer, which gave it more visibility and more people were able to look at those earlier drafts. Okay, I am curious, what are some of the key changes that we're looking at here? The the big ones that we're going to be looking at, obviously, particle measuring systems are centered and focused on environmental monitoring. And there's two big changes that have happened in there. Originally, the clearance certification and monitoring, well, in the original 2003 version, it read as a single statement, which was wrong. In the 2009 version, they created an element of separation by having them run back to back. Now they've essentially put cleanroom classification as part of premises in section four, and they've moved environmental monitoring and APS, so both particle, microbial, and APS, uh, aseptic uh, procedures, into section nine. So they've they've crafted, you know, kind of five different chapters between certification and monitoring to try and help clearly differentiate how you look at those two elements. And so with that, Annex 1, you know, kind of references ISO 14644. Well, ISO 14644 has changed in 2015. And there are some elements within ISO that have had an implication and an impact on what it states in EUGMP. Some of the earlier revs of the draft actually misquoted Annex uh, misquoted the 14644 ISO document or used them incorrectly. And so some of those misnomers got into industry. The rumors of their um, of their of their presence spread like wildfire and a little bit of a mini panic ensued, which meant that industry at the time were chasing ghosts. So there was this is what it might say rather than waiting for this is what it does say. Now that we have that release, we're able to give our interpretation as to how best to approach it. And it, and it is an interpretation, Leah, because ultimately, you know, the, the guidance is it's a guide for manufacturing. So it's good practices. Here are the here is what we would expect you to do. How you actually do it is determined on site. So what we're what, what we're going to look at in the presentation is that chapter four and chapter nine specifically and try and give a scientific rationale as to why the language used is the language it's used because it can be quite intentional at times and how best to approach meeting that compliance so you know when it talks about minimum lengths of sample tubing what does a minimum length of sample tubing mean you know is that 
is that two inches is it two meters is it whatever was it you know what what other is it two furlongs that's <laughs> trying to mix up as many different length dynamics as we can no it's actually there's there is some scientific rationale behind you know the the application of good science that leads to good environmental monitoring and that's what we'll be talking about sounds like there will be a lot for us to consider um and in your customer experience are people prepared for annex one would you say um so the good news is good manufacturing practices are good manufacturing practices so ultimately um the path is still forwards you know the path might narrow a little bit they might be, get a little bit more specific as to what the requirements are um but on the whole i think it shouldn't catch people unaware now are they ready for it uh, probably not there's one element that's that's being introduced as part of the quality by design uh, uh, you know kind of um paradigm that's being enforced or, or required is this contamination control strategy a ccs and that's and that's a way and, and particle measuring systems have been talking about this for a good few years now don't look at a single piece of data as a as a single lego brick if you look at a piece of data in isolation it doesn't mean very much so what you need to do is look let me look at my particle count data what does that tell me about the control of my environment let me look at my microbial data let me look at my hvac my certification the classification the downing how does all of these various elements contribute to a strategic look at how i control contamination now i've just said those same words backwards it's a contamination control strategy and basically you need a strategic look for control and contamination and that doesn't mean you look at elements in isolation you look at everything and try and try and grasp it as a whole as a concept rather than you know quality by measurement now we're talking about quality by design and it should it should ease the burden on how customers review and preview the data that those systems give them so are they ready for it i, I think they'd be surprised at how ready they are um, but at the same time, there are some new concepts being introduced that even the regulators aren't going to know exactly what they're expecting. And so it's, this is one where industry should help the regulators move this paradigm, this new concept forward by saying, here's how we believe it works together on our site. And then discussions can ensue to make sure that that's the right way of thinking uh, regarding control of environments. All right. Sounds like there's lots of moving parts uh, in that respect. What are some common questions you anticipate answering in the upcoming webinar? Um, th there's there's a there's a few that are there. You know, what particle sizes need to be monitored? Um, what lengths of tubing can I use? You know, these were two of the elements that were um, misinterpreted early on. Um, but then there's also how should I best prepare? you know, my reviews of data, you know, how do I look at short, medium and long term trending that forms part of my CCS? How do I perform, you know, uh, the, the microbial sampling? Because there's an element in that talks about continuous microbial sampling. 
there's parts in there that say your clearance should be qualified, i.e. certified for microbial bio burden. How do we do that? How do we add that into our actual daily routine or you know, what do we have to acquire or purchase or understand to make sure that we do that effectively? And there's elements that that's that's where I suspect most of the questions will come from is, you know, there are some errors that were misinterpreted. What about those? Where do they sit now? And how do I actually design a system that's going to meet the current needs? OK, so how can people know what the new Annex One entails? Um, well, the short answer, obviously, is, well, read it. But again, it's an interpretive document and even regulators will interpret it slightly differently. I mean, like I said before, though, the path is forwards. This is improvements to process every time they've released a new Annex One. It's been more specific and more um, explanatory on what their expectations are. And this is yet another step. So by reading the document, that will help. But there's a lot of information out there. You know, we've had a lot of uh, a lot of time to prepare. You know, this last intervening couple of years where people have had their input into the document as a, a lot of white papers available. We ourselves have a lot of information on our Annex One web page where different reviews of how to look at alarms, how to install monitoring systems, how to perform qualification. So a lot of pieces of information already exist. Now's the time on how we're going to bring them all together. And that's really where the, the where my presentation comes in is just trying to bring all of those little pieces together to help people navigate where they should go looking. And for us specifically, the environmental monitoring aspect of it. Definitely. And I know that we'll have a lot of useful resources attached to the webinar as well. It'll be a great outlet for finding these resources. Um, but yeah, that's all I've got for you today. Thank you so much, Mark, and everyone who's tuned into this podcast. Uh, please be sure to look out for information regarding the review of Annex 1 2022 Environmental Monitoring Webinar, which will take place on October 6th. Thanks so much, Mark. Thanks, Thanks very much, Leah.